0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast soon to be called Rear Birds and I am your host Joanne Hamilton, the founder and CEO of Secret Birds and today I would like to welcome my very special guest from Jamaica, Miss Monique Rebecca. Hello Monique. Hi, how are you? I am very well, thank you. Miss Monique Rebecca Kennedy, by the way. <laughs> Rebecca May Kennedy. Rebecca May. My goodness. Monique, <laughs> Rebecca May Kennedy who is based in Jamaica. Where in Jamaica are you right now? I am located in Kingston, Jamaica. So that's our capital. Absolutely. Kingston, Jamaica. Okay, brilliant. So this is podcast episode number 94. So Monique, welcome to the show. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on. And Monique is the founder of Moken Design and Consulting, and she's the creator of Thrive House, a community for entrepreneurs in the creative industries. Through Thrive House, she hosts the Thriving Artists, and Monique lives by a simple principle, live a life that inspires others. She's driven by the passion for the work that she does and her desire to make an indelible mark on the world dinner she's created a dinner and intimate networking event that allows entrepreneurs to mingle with industry experts and other like-minded individuals she also hosts a podcast where she's interviewed guests such as sandra glasgow award-winning director storm salter Digital media mogul Nathan Chan. I remember when you when when that happened. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. really that
1: was nice. my first podcast episode I got actually.
0: No, and seven time mm-hmm. New York best-selling author Lisa Nichols. I mean you've interviewed some pretty high profile people, so that's excellent.
1: Yeah, I'm very persistent.
0: Wow. <laughs> Persistent and ambitious is a good thing. And in June 2016, Munich became the leader of the Kingston chapter of Tuesdays Together, a monthly meetup that happens in over 300 cities globally with entrepreneurs who believe in community over competition. I think you're also a global shaper, right, for the World Economic yes, Forum? I, yeah, Yeah, um,
1: global shapers. It's like youth arm of the World Economic Forum. So I'm yeah. a part of the Kingston hub.
0: Yeah, I've I, I know quite I've met quite a few people who um who are involved with that. Some people that I know through the the UN Women um, platform I'm in. They're also global mm-hmm. shapers. It looks like a lot of fun. So she's a member of that as well, and she serves on the team and capacity building and communication committees. She's also the project lead for the hub's year-long project. Is it Lifey or Liffy? Lifey. Lifey, okay. Which was a winner in the Global Shapers Shaping My City's Future Challenge. Monique is a graphic designer. She was trained at the Savannah College of Art and Design, popularly known as SCAD. She has worked with companies such as Barnes & Noble, 20th Century Fox, Digicel Jamaica, American Greetings, and Red Stripe. In February of 2016, she was selected by the Ministry of Science and Technology to be a design consultant at the Kingston Animation Festival. Her journey to entrepreneurship started with her fascination with blogging. Her first blog, Mr. Cology, was awarded
1: Marcology. Is it mr
0: Marcology,
1: yes. So Mr. like Monique Rebecca.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. I got that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Markology. my goodness, I can't speak today, was awarded the Best Fashion and Beauty Blog in 2011 Jamaica Blog Awards and birthed the Generation G Empowerment Camp for Girls. She also received Best Lifestyle Blog for her blog Orange Street in the 2014 Caribbean Blog Awards. In 2017, she made her speaking debut at the Women Economic Forum in New Delhi, yes, I remember that, where she spoke (laughs) on how to use design to innovate in education. This topic is closely tied to what she believes is her life's mission, to make Jamaica a first world country, by redesigning the educational system using design thinking principles. Monique, my goodness, you've done a lot, girl.
1: <laughs> wow, I'm hearing this bio and I was like, wow, but do feel so bad that you took a year off.
0: No, it's funny because you know, people give me their bios and I read it and then and when I read it, they're like, that was me? I'm like, yeah, that was you. <laughs> so it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Monique. Welcome to Thank podcast you. episode... 94. So we know about, uh, a lot about you and your background and all the different projects you've been involved with and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But can you tell us a little bit of about how you arrived at that point um, in, in terms of being an entrepreneur? How did that all happen?
1: Um, well, funny enough, uh, when I was in undergrad, I did not want to be an entrepreneur. It sounded mm. like a lot of stress, mm. a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. I just, it was just not something for me. Um, upon leaving college, I got my first, you know, few jobs in, uh, I think I, uh, my first job was in a event planning company where I was a graphic designer, mm-hmm. um, and then I started freelancing for a bit, and I had this kind of lull where I didn't have a job, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So um I started working on my blog. My first my first like official blog that was put out in the world for other people to consume. But I had been writing since I was twelve and blogging maybe since blogging became a thing which was in probably two thousand and nine. But mm-hmm. Marcology um was that thing where I I thought about it as a way of getting people to know me because at the time I I had this crazy idea that I wanted to launch a gift wrapping business where I was going to like wrap gifts in all of these cool and interesting ways. Uh, (laughs) So Marissa was like, okay, you know, I need to build my personal brand and let people know who I am and they get to like me so that when I launch my my gift wrapping thing, then people like want to use it. So even before, like building a personal brand was a thing. That's um, where my mind was. I started Marcology with that intention that I was going to somehow spin it into a business. Um, fell in love with blogging. Realized that one, I didn't have any money to invest in all of these gift wrapping things. Mm-hmm. And gift wrap was ex- like paper. To buy the paper was super expensive. I was like, twenty. 20. <laughs> 20, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this blog, see where it goes. In the first four months um, of me launching the blog, I won the best fashion and beauty blog in the Jamaica Blog Awards. And I was like, ah, oh, this could be a thing. And then I started to start brokering partnerships with brands. So the first project I did was with the Salvation Army, where I organized a a clothing drive, but because I'm extra, couldn't just be a clothing drive. So I had it at one of our our major um, Christmas markets. I did a whole thing around it. I got um, I got a friend of mine who was a motion graphics designer to create these really cool motion graphics explaining how the, the clothing drive worked. I uh, got my friend who was a videographer to shoot this really cool video promoting it. Um, partnered with different fashion designers local fashion designers um to do a raffle so the thing is when you came and you brought your clothes you could enter into the raffle and when you entered in the raffle you got a chance to win like a custom piece from one of these designers um so there was like a there was a there was the clothes giving part, but the raffle was like a fundraising part. So you had to pay like maybe like three hundred Jamaican dollars to enter the raffle, and then mm. each piece of clothes that you donated gave you another entry in the raffle. So the more you gave, it was the more chances you had to win in this raffle. Mm. So I was on, I was on Smile Jamaica talking about it. Like I, I sent out press releases. <laughs> it was a yeah. whole thing, mm. and I was kind of like, I was like, okay, this seems interesting. I continued with the blogging. I continued sort of getting partnerships with different people, different brands, different companies. And that was where I really started to get my feet wet in entrepreneurship.
0: Mm, Nice. That is quite the story. You know, I will never forget the first time I saw you. Wait a minute. How was I introduced to you? Did I
1: find... I I think you phoned me on Twitter.
0: Yeah, it was a while ago too. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, it must have been 2015 or 2015. Yeah. And it was it was a while back. Yeah, it was a, oh my god, a while indeed. About 3 years ago, when I had just yeah. started, I had just started this idea and I remember seeing a photo of you and I was like this girl is dope. Like she's done." Definitely- oh! <laughs> creative like you had this really cool haircut and mm-hmm. I think you, there were some pictures of you like in a chair and there was I was like you were just cool oh yeah
1: you that's like my, that's my spirit animal <laughs> that's, when, <laughs> that's when I was doing orange street that was my second vlog that I did um after sort of outgrew my college I Ecology, yeah. it kind of felt very girlish yeah yeah um and it was I loved it because it, it even though it was people call it a fashion and lifestyle blog i actually saw it more as a personal development blog because mm. i used to write about like um my personal development like my um journey into like losing weight and all of these things that even right. had gotten this this local gym to sponsor me to do a twenty thousand dollar boot camp for free in right. exchange for like on my blog like I- I was doing all of these things, right? And just being like, okay, I'm just going to ask and see what happens. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sitting in my little room. So, yeah. um, after my college was over um, and I had outgrown it, I started Orange Street with one of my really good friends. And that's where those pictures were from our launch. Because, as I say, I'm extra. So, we couldn't just launch the blog. We had to, I said, let's launch a blog around um, St. International Style Week. So I said, all right, this is what we're gonna do. We're going to do full a full four day coverage of style week and we're going to use that as our launch pad for the blog. So we got we partnered with a local um, boutique to style us for all four nights. We Um, a local makeup artist to do our makeup, a local photographer to take, and all of this is like for free. So I had to like think about what kind of value I could um, give to them so Mm. that we could get all of these things. And then I leveraged the sort of partnerships that I made from my previous blog to kind of sell saint um, on the, the idea of having us cover cover their style week for social media so we did we got backstage passes we were like walking around like with microphones interviewing designers it was like so exciting and people are like Mm. who are these girls (laughs) who are these girls and it was like this huge launch pad we did like we got we asked them to give us some backstage passes so we could give away on our page to build our mailing list um and I think we ended up, we created like, um, we created like 10 unique Bob posts. We did, um, we created five albums. We were technically were the official photographers at the, of the event because our photos came up before all the press. So mm. our photos were the ones that they actually used um, on their social media to reshare. So we got, we we're getting a lot of traffic from that and it was this, It was a whole shebang because they even invited us to come like before the event when they were like doing the casting for the models and it was Mm. just, we (laughs) were.
0: I don't know how we
1: got there but I was so excited. So that's those photos were from our first, our first, our launch for Orange Street.
0: Yeah, I was like, who is this girl? She's cool. I was like, she has to be in the creative arts or something. Just the way you look. (laughs) And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like how you presented yourself and everything was, mm-hmm. and like, everything like that. I was like, this girl is a creative for sure. But, um, yeah. And, and since then we've, we've been keeping in touch. So that's really cool. All right. So today Monique wants to share with us what happens when ambitious goal oriented women like herself are forced to take a step back from their dreams and goals to nurture themselves, whether it's because of illness or burnout. So we're going to be talking about stepping back so you can step up. And you know what's funny? Podcast episode number 93 that I did with Brim Bamber in Toronto was actually about how to prevent burnout. So it's, mm-hmm. so, it's just a coincidence that we're talking about stepping back due to things like illnesses, or or burnout so it's, it's a nice little follow-up so um yeah nice. so what's your story around stepping back so you can step up
1: okay well as you could as you heard from my bio i'm always involved in something my yes says-
0: you are very good yes. at creating opportunities for yourself and i admire that I always say you've got moaners and you've got makers, M&Ms, and you're definitely a maker. <laughs> no, moaners just, they moan at everything. Meanwhile, every opportunity is passing them by. Makers will be in, in literally in sewage, but they will find a way to create an opportunity <laughs> out of the cool, seriously, out of shit and make it into a Yeah, Like, seriously. And you're definitely the latter. You know how to make things happen for yourself. And that's really admirable. That's really admirable.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I think for me, it's always been, you asked earlier about how I got into entrepreneurship. Um, And it's really that I always had a desire to create something that I didn't see. And I think that maybe if what I saw wasn't out there, was out there, maybe I would be happy with, you know, working in a really great design firm or doing, you know, if I, but I didn't see it. So it's like, okay, I don't see it. I'm going to create it. Um, so my mother always says that you're always working on something. So the story is, um, I kind of look at my life or how I've, I've approached my twenties as this experiment of trying to figure out what I want to do. So Mm. I like to deep dive into things and really understand how it up, how I can operate in that context. So I can't sit around thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about something. I need to be in it to understand whether or not it's for me. Mm. So I spent a lot of my young life just, just, Doing things, doing things, trying things. Oh, this looks cool! I'm gonna try this. Oh, I wanna try this. Oh, I haven't seen this before. Oh, I can create this experience. Um, and I was just always going, as always going, 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 going. And then growing up in a household where um, my father has extremely high standards, mm. right? So he he's the type of person if you got an A on a test, he's like, oh, so why didn't you get an A plus? Right. So
0: i always... When you, bring home, when you give bring home a 95, he's like, what happened to the rest? 5% kind of thing.
1: Yeah, typical Caribbean parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... I,
0: I, I think a lot of us heard that growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I I always wanted, um, in my, the back of my mind, to always make him proud. Mm. And I'm always thinking about, okay, what's next? All right, what's next? All right, this is great, but what's next? How can mm-hmm. you do this better? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And
1: last year and I had been on the verge of burnout for a while which is why I would start things and not necessarily finish them because mm-hmm. I was so it, how I was building it wasn't sustainable for me it wasn't sustainable um, the creative industry in and of itself is very taxing especially if you're working in agencies and you have to stay long nights and you all you're always using your, your mind to think to think about things, but then you always have to be nurturing your mind too and putting things in there <laughs> so that you have something. Mm. So mm. it was overwhelming to me. Mm. So I had been on the brink of burnout for a while and wow. then coming up to, I wouldn't even say last year, a year before last I started having panic attacks mm. again. So mm. I had, I had, I used to have panic attacks. Um, closer to when i left university and um i had a particular experience with a client who for for all the reasons was a toxic person i had worked mm. with them as an employee i left the job like i literally walked off the job because it was so toxic and it was i was put in a situation where i physically could not stay in the space and i just closed on my laptop and I said to him,
0: Don't expect to see me back tomorrow. I and think I, I remember you telling me the story when we first spoke. Yeah. You were, <laughs> you were you were still in America, right? In the US at the time. No, I was no,
1: I was in Jamaica. It was it was one of my I guess the second kind of job that I had.
0: But it was an American um, client, right? Like a US No, no, it wasn't. No, no okay. it wasn't
1: an American client. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, this was um locally. So okay.
1: I had after the the sting uh, of all of that happening. A few years later, maybe two years later, he comes back and he's like, "Hey, you know, I've grown so much as a person, and, and I really want to work with you because you're so great." And I was like, "Ah, uh, I'm not sure." Oh, okay. um, but then I was like, "I'm poor, so <laughs> maybe I need to take this job to get the money." Mm, um, yeah. So I took a, took on a project with him. Mm. And I also saw it as an opportunity because I was um, I was introducing something new into Moken. So this is Moken time now mm. uh, in terms of wanting to transition to service design. So um, basically, I sold them. They wanted one thing and mm. I sold them on this other thing that I thought would help them. Mm. So in that way, I could get what I wanted to kind of see that I think would actually help them more so what they, meant they wanted, but they also got what they wanted. Mm. anyways long story short it did not work out um and it it got to the point where the situation was stressing me out so much that I had a breakdown like I was walking home and I had a panic attack in the middle of the street
0: wow Um, what was that like was that sort of like you couldn't breathe and you're you're you, you started because I know your chest gets really tight sometimes panic like yeah so when I when working. I have a
1: panic attack I start feeling like I can't breathe yeah and then yeah. I start having a headache mm. then my my hands and my feet start tingling and then I start to hyperventilate and mm. I can't like I I I have hyperventilating and then eventually I've f- Depending if someone might come or might just learn to calm myself and I've learned to calm myself now and to control my breathing. But it came out of so left field because I wasn't thinking about this job. I wasn't doing anything, but I'm guessing some stuff were working in the back of my mind because I was just walking home and I just had this panic attack. Um, I was like, I can't do this. I cannot work with this person anymore. And I, you know, I went, I canceled the contract. You know, I was well within the rights or the terms that we had agreed upon in in what um, we had outlined. You know, I did my part. They weren't doing their part, and it was causing me stress. Mm.
0: Um,
1: in the, the so that was sort of the catalyst. Mm. And then as the months went went on more things just kept piling on. Like I couldn't really figure out this business thing. I hated defining myself as an entrepreneur because I really didn't, I really wanted to do stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I wanted to run that business, but I knew that to do this stuff, I had to do this other thing. These other things that I just didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And that was frustrating to me because it was like, I wanted to be a maker. I wanted to create these things. But then I had to also think about these other parameters that, I wasn't really that good at and right. this is probably the, my worst trait. I don't yeah. like doing things I'm not good at. <laughs> I don't like doing yeah. things that I'm not good at. <laughs> All right? so it was also equally frustrating. Right. Um so going into like when you say years, but when you
0: say you don't like it is it because it's too much of a challenge for you? Or because you feel like it's you not master it, or or it's not the
1: kind of challenge that I like.
0: Okay, I understand. So
1: okay. there, and I, and maybe it is also there are things that I'm not good at that I really want to get good at. So mm-hmm. I'm interested in learning how to solve those problems. And then there are other things that I'm not good at that I don't really want to be good at, but I have to be good at.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> that yeah. that's just that's stressful for me. Right. Um. It's just frustrating because I'm an overachiever mm. and I'm always achieving things and I'm always good at things. So mm. when I'm not good at something, it's frustrating, which I, I will think- go back to say it's probably my worst
0: trait. <laughs> Do you think overachievers are more susceptible or more likely to suffer from things like bone, burnout, or fatigue? Yes, of um, course. Even, and, and, and even in some instances like, um, you know, comparison disease because you're so you want to do well all the time that if you look at somebody else and they're doing well, like you feel like, okay, I gotta do well too. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it is. I, I wholly agree with that. I wholly yeah. agree with that. Yeah. And I was held hot stage by my perfectionism,
0: absolutely. And yeah, I, I remember
1: be. I met. Regina from when we went to India um, I met her and she became a kind of personal development mentor Mm -hmm. and one of the things she had me to do was to write a breakup letter to perfectionism
0: wow and that was
1: really that was really emotional for me that's powerful Um, that's powerful yeah it, (laughs) it was powerful um to really sort of lay myself bare and realized that i was hindering myself and even damaging myself by creating these standards that Mm -hmm. um that i needed to fulfill not because of my personal wants but because of what i thought i should be doing Mm -hmm. so in all of this maybe last year i realized that it wasn't just the panic attacks it wasn't just the burnout it wasn't just feeling overwhelmed and anxiety there was also something else going on
0: Mm. so
1: i i started noticing like how i was handling things emotionally Mm
0: -hmm. i didn't
1: think that i was how i was how my emotional reactions to things were necessarily i don't say logical Mm. but they weren't they were disproportionate to what was happening. Mm. Um, and I started noticing patterns of those, like where I would get really angry suddenly, or I'd get really annoyed or I'd Mm -hmm. get really sad and I couldn't get out of bed. And Mm -hmm. I started noticing that it was, I, I was getting into these kind of really deep states of depression, like really like I would just there are days I didn't want to get out of bed I didn't want to do anything and you know you know I know that okay I'm struggling with this business thing and it's not really working you know but then I was also um I've also dealt with things like this before and it has never affected me in this way mm-hmm. you know I am very solution oriented so, if I have a problem, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is happening to me, blah, blah, blah. I want to know what's happening and I want to create a solution because I don't like suffering. Mm. <laughs> I don't like to suffer. So, I started noticing that and I mentioned it to my therapist. And I said to her, I really notice, especially around um, the time, my time of the month, that these things are happening. Mm. And I feel like I'm, I, I told her, I feel like I am going crazy.
0: Mm. I feel
1: like I'm a different person.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel there's
1: one Monique over here and then another Monique over there and Mm. I don't like it. So that's the first time she had said to me that she thought that maybe I had PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Okay. And what PMDD is, um, it manifests itself in, in different women in different ways. For me, um or like typically you once your body is sensitive to the hormonal changes that happen after you ovulate okay. so it's not that the hormones have changed it's that you're more sensitive to it and mm. this happens you ovulate typically two weeks before your period starts yeah so i um i and would notice um yeah. i would notice uh, women will often experience depression, mm-hmm. then um, anxiety, insomnia, hypersomnia. I mean, nightmares. as
0: women, as women, we've got this four-week cycle. We're a different woman every week. <laughs> I yes, mean, like we people, are a different woman we, every week. We are like in your menstrual phase, you're a different woman to your luteal phase to your. Ovulation mm-hmm. like we are different. Like people, that's that's where all of the stereotypes about how oh we're crazy, this and that. No, it's just our hormone yeah. levels are different every week and we really are uh, a different person because of it. And <laughs> you
1: have to learn like you, we are like we are constantly adjusting. Absolutely. We're constantly adjusting to the change. It's not like um you wake up this morning and the morning routine that you had yesterday works. Do I work this morning because guess what? No, you have anxiety. So no, maybe you used to meditate for fifteen minutes, you have to go meditate for twenty minutes.
0: Or Absolutely. you used to wake up
1: at eight, five o'clock. No, you have, no during this time because you're extra tired, you have to wake up at six o'clock and work yeah. later. It's this, yeah. it's a whole thing. It is it's a, a thing. whole thing.
0: It is a thing. Um, and, and it's and it's crazy. And you know, you said you made such mm-hmm. a good point that we have to adjust, and that's the truth. Imagine. Having to adjust every week to your body going in to just different stages. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's intense. It's intense.
1: And it's it's also I noticed. So I have a different level of focus depending on the time of month it is. So oh, there yeah. are some months, one one some weeks where it's best for me for to do projects and other weeks when it's not. Of course. So yeah. upon getting this diagnosis, um I, I, I just kind of when I made the decision that I needed to just focus on this thing because it was ruining everything yes. and it was taking over my life. Yeah. A doc, a, my therapist wanted to put me on medication because of the severity of it but I didn't want to go on medication so mm. I started focusing on how I was eating and how I was exercising and all of these things but it was a lot of work and the mm. thing about it is that it's all great and lovely to exercise because it helps with depression. But it's really hard when you can't get out of bed to exercise because you're depressed. Mm. <laughs> you know? So, so it was your, this your, vicious cycle.
0: In, in your case, it was actual like clinical depression or was it the... Yeah. Okay. Okay. It,
1: it was. It was. It was. Um, it was severe enough for me to need medication, which I eventually had to go on. Okay. Um I had okay. to go on antidepressants and anti-anxiety um uh, medications. 15% of women with PMDD attempt suicide.
0: Oh wow. So it's and not is that, and is that because not, your hormonal levels are so out of whack? Is it a hormone like a chemical actual imbalance? No,
1: it's not an imbalance. It's a sensitivity. So right. we're more sensitive to the changes. So
0: and tell I, me what it's called again what's the what is it called the
1: the disorder?
0: Pre- premenstrual dysphoric disorder premenstrual dysphoric disorder, disorder. wow mm-hmm. learned something new today and you know i'm yeah. someone that has fibroids so i feel i felt like i knew everything about what's going on <laughs> in the body but oh yeah. dysphoric disorder interesting okay i'll have to um yeah. do some research on that so pmdd Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's
1: what it's called, and it's it is it is debilitating at times because it was. So I'm in a support group for women with PMDD. I'm supposed to call it call those two weeks hell week. Yeah,
0: it's hell week. Yeah. Um,
1: I feel a switch go off in my body once mm. that two weeks goes.
0: Mm. Mine
1: is actually 18 days before, and that's like clockwork. I wow. can I can feel something in my body, and I was like, huh. Let me go check my calendar. And it's always right. I feel wow. a switch in my body. And what happens, what was happening to me, um, so we also have like skewed thoughts. So mm. imagine like your worst enemy who knew every single thing that you were insecure about, mm-hmm. just whispering it in the air consistently over oh, wow. and over and over again. That's what it's like um, oh for me. Okay. So it's always this constant internal battle of, you know, and if I allow it, I would spiral. I would just spiral and spiral and spiral and spiral until I don't want to go out. Go I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't care. I think, I think I got to the point where I didn't think anybody cared about me. I didn't think my mother cared about me. I didn't think my friends cared about me. I, about me. I just felt alone.
0: So it's a lot of mental, like, messing about, really. Yeah, it is.
1: It mm. is. And mm. I tried the natural route for a while and it did work, but mm. it wasn't enough. So eventually I was um, I was recommended to a psychiatrist and I got put on antidepressants and mm-hmm. anti-anxiety. That was earlier this year and not too long ago, actually. Um, maybe I think in May, mm-hmm. I started on May, April, May, I started on medication because it was just too much for me. Wow. Um,
0: it was just too much. Wow, and, I'm sorry you yeah. had to go through that, but this is really eye opening because mm-hmm. I I know about a lot of like PCOS and fibroids and this and that, but mm-hmm. I have never heard of premenstrual dysphoric disorder. But you know what? Growing up, because my family's from St. Kitts and um I lived in St. Croix, but we used to go to St. Kitts every year. And I had a cousin mm-hmm. that whenever she would go her period, she'd have to go hospital. That first first few days, she'd have to go to hospital, get inoculations, um get mm-hmm. painkillers. She could move. It was really bad. And she used, yeah. say she used to feel like somebody was screwing with her head. And that was some, you know, I'm 40 now. And I used to go seeing kids every year when I was a child. That that was some 30 odd years ago. And I, I'm not sure if yeah. this was uh, something back then. But I imagine that's what she had as well. And it only changed when she had her, her child. That's when everything went away. Yeah, and
1: sometimes that happens with women. Um, They, they may have a child and it, it kind of you know, shifts shifts the balance. Um, and PMTD is often misdiagnosed. So some women are misdiagnosed with um, bipolar disorder, mm. um, especially if they're not aware that, they're not tying it to the, their cycle. Because I had such an intimate relationship with, with my cycle, I could see the pattern that yeah. it was happening around the same time. But a lot of women are misdiagnosed um, of PMDD. And also, there are not many doctors who recognize PMDD as yeah. an actual illness, even though it is um, a recognized mental illness. Oh, wow. um, because okay. while during during our hell week our brain chemistry actually changes mm. like you would talk about being a different person our brain chemistry changes during yeah. that time so we're we are an, another person and yeah. it. um i hear i've seen women in the a support group talk about how hard it is to have relationships you know you know, how difficult it is to operate with their partner and things like that. I guess you're, you've um, got to
0: inform your partner of, of what what it's like. I feel like every woman who is in touch with her body needs to let her partner know, listen, there are four stages to my period, and this is what I'm <laughs> like when I'm like this. And No, seriously, because they're going to think you're crazy. You know? Yeah. They're going to think is, you're crazy. And I think
1: there's that too, but I also kind of battled with um, so I I, I was, re- I have a book called PMDD on relationships and one of the things I talk about is that yeah, during hell week you're cranky and you're this and you're that you're that. But that's not an excuse to like be abusive to your partner or to be do this. And not. there is also this level of personal responsibility that I had to learn to take hmm. for myself and my feelings and my health. And um, at the time Um, I was in a relationship Mm. and that was something that was really difficult really Mm. difficult to navigate a relationship because it takes a certain kind of guy
0: takes a certain kind of guy to to be patient and and be in a relationship like with someone who's got such like extremities in their life Yeah, and
1: Mm -hmm. somewhat detached too at times to know that okay Mm. um, Monique is going through this I am just gonna elsewhere for
0: now or I'm
1: just not going to take this thing that she says personally but for me Mm. you know it's a lot of work because I have to I have to know when I need to step back I couldn't just like lash out because I was feeling this thing I just had to know that you know if I couldn't really engage with you I have to say boy I just need some space (laughs) you know Mm. I just need some space I really cannot I cannot interact with you right now. I cannot have this argument. And I had to know my triggers. Arguments were a big emotional trigger for me. I mm. I could not get into an argument during this time because it's one like there are times when I felt like I was dying because of how emotional I was. I felt like the world was gonna end. And <laughs> I just didn't like feeling like that. Oh, wow. Um, and it's it was, this year has been very big for me in terms of taking a lot of personal responsibility and just learning how to take care of myself,
0: yeah. too, yeah. you know?
1: So Do that's why everything like, else had to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. Do you feel like there are a lot of women who are going through what you're going through, but they think it's just normal PMS, and they don't yes. realize they actually have a problem, like a mental like you know, problem that could that could be you know treated with medication and so on.
1: Yes, I um A lot of women think it's PMS. Um, a lot of doctors PMS will is, tell women
0: PMS itself is is apparently not normal. Like apparently, if we're if our bodies are in total sync, we're not even supposed to experience PMS. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh,
1: yeah, because of the diet and the exercise, it's not mm-hmm. not um, you shouldn't have to. Because I know, I know when. Months when I'm eating crap, oh, what's yeah. gonna happen? Drink, <laughs> drinking,
0: drinking too much coffee, not getting enough sleep. Uh-huh. Like yeah, you, I know what's gonna know.
1: happen around that time. You you've know, you gotta know I your know. body.
0: You've gotta know your body, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, India I think there are a
1: lot of, of women who have it, and I think what the challenge is, there's not a lot of research on PMDD, as well as, as I said before, not a lot of doctors recognize it as an actual illness. So you go and say, "Oh, doctor, feeling this, this is." Oh, it's just PMS, but it's not PMS because PMS does not come with suicidal thoughts. That's not normal.
0: Mm, um, that's deep. Uh, that is deep. Yeah, deep. That that's not normal. That's a whole other. That's a whole other ball game. You know. Yeah. Firstly, I want to thank you for, for sharing this this with us because there are a lot of people who may not even know about this disorder. So if you believe you've got these symptoms, please, please, please go in and, and you know, see someone, whether it's a, you don't have to go to a doctor. We've got so many health coaches out there these days mm-hmm. that specialize in these things. Talk to someone, share share your experience with someone. But secondly, I know we're talking about stepping stepping up to, well, stepping back to step up, but I want to talk a little bit about the modern woman. I call it modern woman's curse because I think modern women, this is how we are. You know, we're very, we're go-getters and we're ambitious. And we've got a lot of amazing things going on for ourselves. And sometimes, like you said, someone like yourself, overachievers. But that has Mm -hmm. its downsides as well. And I don't think we talk about the downsides enough. The fact that this overly ambitious, um, driven, Um, overachiever is also someone who has very low points when things don't Mm -hmm. work out for her she can become you know a completely different person or she can become depressed or the fact that sometimes it makes you unrealistically competitive or it makes you someone that can't deal with disappointment and that you know what it does to your body what it does to your your health when you're constantly in go 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 mode because you're not taking mm-hmm. care of yourself. And I feel like that is not discussed enough. We just see women who are doing really well, but we don't really understand the sacrifices and the price that we pay, um, particularly to our bodies mm-hmm. for, for not you know, having this balance. So I guess the question is, why are we like this? Why are we so overly <laughs> ambitious? Is it because our mothers were, some, well, I can't say our mothers weren't, but is it because our mothers, all, many of us, our mothers weren't afforded those opportunities, and now we've got everything at our disposal, and we just want to be in everything. Or, like, what is that about?
1: I honestly cannot speak to other women, uh, right. but I can speak for myself. In, sure. Um, for so as a really awkward looking child, yeah. <laughs> All right, okay. um, no, you weren't. And, I was, I really was. I I was this height in grade five. So I was taller than everyone. I was super right. skinny. I wore braces. I had headgear. It was a whole thing. I
0: <laughs> had headgear. Remember the oh dear, I'm not like
1: and not like I mean all headgear is awkward, but not like the one that goes around the neck. I had the one that crisscrossed on the top <laughs> of your head. It was it was a thing. I had not knees. It was just I was really awkward. <laughs> um, so I kind of learned how to I I looked into sort of I was like, well, you know, that won't get by all my looks. So
0: <laughs> you know, I <laughs> think we all, all we all had this weirdness about us, some more than others, but yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. There were some girls when I was growing up who were just always cute. I was not one of them.
0: Okay, okay. But
1: for me, I kind of started to derive my value from my achievements. So, you yeah. know, I was really good at good at school. You know, I was um when I did sports, I always did fairly well in sports, but I didn't mm-hmm. really have that tension span for it. Um and that's where I kind of derived my self-esteem from. My self-esteem from came from
0: from being accomplished. From
1: being accomplished, like I you know, by being in all these clubs, being this club president, getting into like the best art school, getting of a scholarship. I get that. That yeah. was me. And then going into the working world, it was that too. Um, of okay, how can I? I was building my self-esteem through that, my achievements. Mm. um because i didn't i wasn't really confident in how i looked and then mm-hmm. i wasn't really sure of who i was as a person or what value me just me monique could create for someone, you know? Mm-hmm. I couldn't yeah. really, those things are not measurable. I cannot mm-hmm. measure how well I'm listening to you to talk about or is and how that impacts your life, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I can measure that I just launched this blog and we got this amount of views and mm-hmm. we we'll partnered with these brands and all of those things that I can see. I couldn't yeah. see the other stuff, I didn't have objectivity on those things. So that mm-hmm. was it for me of, I couldn't find my value outside of the things I achieved. And I guess growing into adulthood, yeah, I'm cute. So no, yeah, I'm cute. But then that wasn't enough for me. Like, I don't want to just be this pretty girl, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So that, did, that was like, I, I could care less about that, you know? So that was it for me, honestly.
0: You know, though, isn't it sad that as women, we have to have these limited options? It's like, okay, you either got to be the pretty girl or the clever girl. So I knew I wasn't pretty. So then I had to be the clever girl. Oh, well, I don't need to be clever because I'm the pretty girl. Isn't that sad? Isn't that absolutely
1: sad? It is sad. I I, I used used to tweet about it a lot about the paradox of women having to be either or. You have to be either or. You can't just be and can't just exist in all of who you are. Mm-hmm. And part nice. of what was transformational for me this year is that I finally came to a sense of acceptance of who I am outside sure. of what I've achieved, outside of how I look at just really in love with the person that I am. I'm That's in love with crazy. the type of friend, the friend that I am. I'm in love with the way that I think about things and how I see mm-hmm. the world and the things, you love all the quirky completely. things that mm-hmm. interest me. And I've also sort of I've broken down the barriers of all the silos that I had of myself of, oh, this is fun Monique and this is professional Monique and this is like all of these mm. now that I'm saying this, I remember my friend, um, I have a friend and every time I'd show a new part of myself to him, he'd like, Okay, this is like the this is like the blogger doll and this is like the this is like the designer doll. Like he cre- created different personas. But each of the different aspects of me. Mm. And that's how I kind of always saw it. Like all of these things could not exist in one person. They just had to be, depending on the context, that's the part of me that I would show because mm. that's the part that people are interested or what they wanted to see. Mm. And now, and this is, like I'm telling you, having this conversation with mm. me at the most, the most opportune time because I tell you this this acceptance of the amalgamation of who, who I am as a woman literally mm-hmm. has just happened in the last two months. Wow. Like this this sort of feeling, this feeling of wholeness, of not feeling like I had to be either or, you know? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I am super smart, right? I'm also mm-hmm. really creative. I'm also, um, I'm mature, but I'm also really, have a really childlike, Sense about me too,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and understanding that all of those can exist simultaneously, and that's really empowering for me. And I hope mm-hmm. a lot of other women can find that as well. But it's hard because, and it's for the media. The media do does this pressure. to everybody. Mm-hmm. The media does it for everybody of um, how they portray women in shows of. It's very one-dimensional or two-dimensional, and I get I get why it is um, a tool, a device for storytelling. It mm-hmm. makes it a lot easier to drive a story along um, when you don't have very complex characters. We only have an hour and a half, two hours to tell this story. Can't go a deep dive into this person, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. But it also makes you. When you don't have objectivity on yourself, it makes it hard to sort of see where someone like you could possibly fit in, and then the societal pressure of mm. what it is, what it takes for a woman to be like, quote unquote, chosen by a man. You know, mm. oh, you need to be, you need to be this, or you need to be that, or men like women like this, and men like women like that, and I'm just like. Ugh.
0: We're so okay. over it. We're so over Okay,
1: it. world. I'm just going to be myself because I can't bother with all of these mental gymnastics.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that's precisely what it is. But, you know, I've met mm-hmm. so many women over the years and I mean, myself included, I'm not talking like I'm not a part of this because I am. Mm-hmm. Who said, you know, like, When I was younger, there was a point where I knew I wasn't the pretty girl. So I had to be the clever girl or I had to be Mm. the girl that was good at track or the girl that was good at swimming because that's where I got all the attention. Or, you know, Mm. um, things like I had a lot of problems. So I would bury myself in books and books became my Mm. escape. I mean, I've had young girls tell me that they wanted to commit suicide, but that, Mm. um, you know, somewhere along the line, they realized Okay, I'm not gonna do it, but I'm gonna bury, I'm gonna find comfort in in my books. And these women have gone off to achieve, I mean, tremendous things, like unprecedented things. But it's mm-hmm. the mental damage that you inflict upon yourself along the way. It's just so heartbreaking, you know. It really is. Yeah. It really is. It is. And I think like what you said is that when you're ambitious and when you're goal oriented and then you're forced to take a step back because maybe you've been diagnosed with cancer or, you know, um, uh, depression or anxiety or, or whatever the case may be, whatever it is, or you, you know, you, you were pregnant, you had a miscarriage or you, you have really bad fibroids or you need a hysterectomy. There's all these things that happen, that happen to women and you have to step back. I think that, or burnout. Um, I think that, forces you to really reassess your life and your goals and exactly what it is it that you're trying to achieve and what you want to do. Yeah I agree. Mm. So how has how have how has your experience and everything you've gone through forced you to to make some changes and what kinds of changes have you made if if any?
1: Oh wow well, I feel like I'm a completely different like I feel like I'm a completely different person. now
0: yeah,
1: that I was even at the beginning of the year. Mm. Um, some of the changes that I had to make is that so one the biggest change was basically stopping everything. So the only thing that I had on my plate was really work. My you know my jobs. So I even made the decision to get a full time job so that yeah, I wouldn't I like have that- to worry about um worry about. You know, how am I going to pay bills and things like that? And also to help me support um, my therapy and things like that, that I would not have to feel stressed out about that. Mm-hmm. So that was one big, that was kind of my anchor of, all right, I have a steady income. I have a steady job. Um, so that was step one step two i had to really start making a lot more conscious decisions about what i put in my body and what i did with my body so um incorporating exercise which i had to pause when i started a new medication because of how it was my my, my body took a while to adjust to it Mm. and then i was on this whole boat of traveling after that and then i got back and it was just a whole thing
0: Mm. so but
1: you know being and staying active eating better quality food um, infusing things in my life that actually really bring me a lot of joy. Like, you know, um, I, I really love reading mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't something that I wasn't, I was doing a lot. I, I really love writing and listening to music and dancing. I love dancing. Like I'm mm-hmm. always dancing. Mm-hmm. And just finding ways to sort of make, make myself feel more comfortable. Um, also started um like reorganizing my home and then ultimately deciding that I needed to move because I needed a creative space mm. um, even you know maybe getting rid of certain relationships that weren't serving me anymore because there were emotional triggers for me and I oh, just yeah. couldn't I could not I've like, I, I realized I cannot survive like a toxic like toxic relationships in any shape, way, shape or form. And then Mm. I'm not going to do it because Mm. I can literally see where I'm putting myself, you know, for some people need to have all the emotional resilience to push through. And I was like, no, because there's going to be a time where this just one argument is going to be the end of you Mm. because of what you're dealing with. And that is just unacceptable. And I cannot make that compromise anymore. So even being really rigid about the decisions that I make about the people who are going to be in my life, Mm. um, that was really big because, you know, I ended a long-term relationship this year Mm. um, because it it was just the best thing for me. Mm. Um, And I think overall for me, really just taking 100% responsibility for me. Mm. It's not my mother's responsibility. It's not my significant other's responsibility. It's not even my friend's responsibility. I Mm. have to take responsibility for me. And that's something I had to learn because I was really needy. Mm. I was needy. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. and I expected everybody to come in and save me and swoop in and feel sorry for me and do all of these things, and not to say that my friends and my family aren't there to support me. But I have to support myself because there are times when everybody has things to do and nobody's mm. coming to save Monique.
0: Mm. And Monique has
1: to know what she has to do to, to um to save herself. So you know, make it a rule. Um. Any morning that I wake up being extremely down and depressed, I -hmm. make it a rule to leave the house for that day. Wow. If it's a weekend, I'll go for breakfast or I'll go to the park. If it's a weekday, I'll go to a cafe and work. And it always makes me feel better. At -hmm. the very least, I know I'm not going to be sulking in public and I'm not going to be lying in bed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. learning ways that I can nurture myself when maybe there isn't anybody there to nurture me. Yeah. Uh, which is lonely at times, you know sometimes you just want somebody to be like, "Hey, I'm gonna do this thing for you, but it's not reality, and I have to exist in reality um so that's really um a lot of the things i'm filtering filtering my decisions in mm-hmm. filtering what I decide to do with my life mm-hmm. based on fundamentally how it's going to impact me, mm-hmm. and I think lastly understanding my cycles and understanding where where, where I am at and what I need to do. So I spend a lot of time in the weeks that I'm really up, mm-hmm. kind of carving everything in. So in the weeks that I'm done, if I have to do the mere, bare minimum, at least I can do the bare minimum and I'll still be okay in terms of meeting my objectives for so work and these things. Because, again, it's the reality. Right. The work yeah. is still there. I still have a job. I'm still employed to do something and I still have to get it done. Mm. And um, I've learned to communicate to my boss about, you know, times when it's really just difficult for me. Like I think it was maybe last week I took a day off, half day off because I was feeling really anxious. Yeah.
0: Um, yep. um, yeah. Mm. I think for women, when we get our cycles down, got it, get it unlocked. Mm. <laughs> It really transforms our lives. I mean, I Mm -hmm. remember going through my 20s and most of and up early 30s, not understanding my body cycle. But as soon as I understood that and I went through this whole process where I had like health coaches and acupuncturists and like this whole crew Mm -hmm. of people helping me sort my like hormonal health out. I realized how ignorant I was about my hormonal health, my uterus, like just my reproductive system. You know, outside yeah. of the scientific stuff you learn in school, I realized how ignorant I was, and I also realized how empowering it it, it is to know your cycle and, and really understand not just the scientific stuff happening in your body, but the emotional stuff and the mental stuff. And you know, I know like. This. I, I know my body to the T I know exactly what cycle phase I'm in I know exactly what I can do I know what I can't do I know what I can eat I know I can't do this exercise And it's like completely changed my life And I think it's that's so key Yes,
1: yeah, it's, it's so important manage. And like yeah. it's something that is so much a part of you That you have to master You have to know your body You have to know to tell people Listen, I cannot talk right now Because I'm having a low day And mm-hmm. this is annoying me it's not your fault, mm-hmm. but I need to take a step back. And I, have to, I had to learn a lot to communicate, communicate what's happening,
0: communicate yeah, and, not and communicate inside. to people
1: mm. and communicate to people how they can support me in a moment, even if that means that I'm just not going to be on WhatsApp for this week.
0: Mm. And that's you know? okay. So Monique, yeah. how would you define, uh, you know, the title of, of this podcast is Stepping Back So You Can Step Up. And I'm curious, how would you define stepping up and how would you define stepping back?
1: Um, I think stepping back is cutting away everything that um, is a distraction to you. Mm. Anything that is distracting you from exactly what you're trying to achieve. So my mm. step back was anything that didn't feed into my health or anything that was going to make my health situation worse, mm-hmm. Worse, I need to step away from it. Mm. Um, stepping up is where I am now of all right I feel really good in my body I feel like I've mastered it I feel like I have the right tools now it is what can I what will I do with it what um, how am I going to use this new renewed energy this new knowledge these new set of priorities and values to craft the life that I want moving forward so this doesn't happen again that I don't have to take another year off to step back because I'm overwhelmed or, you know, my body is out of whack. Um, And I think stepping up is defining what success means to you for you and Mm. not for anybody else, Mm. you know, and not for the shoulds of the the life, you know, in life, but for what you want and what works for you.
0: And maybe just stepping up into your true self, the person you're meant to be and not the person you, yeah. you know, you're like in your case, your, your dad who you always wanted to meet his expectations or your friends or whatever else, but just accepting you and stepping up into, into who you are supposed to be. Yes. Yeah, stepping yeah. up and stepping back, stepping back. It's so, you know, we all, we all got to step back. Sometimes stepping back is very healthy because just like in nature, Nothing blossoms 24, you know, 24 seven, nothing blossoms 365 days a year, nothing, nothing in this life. So why do we think Mm -hmm. that we should too as well? You know, we all have to take time away to, to do what we need to do. And sometimes it's not necessarily because you're sick or you're ill or whatever, but your, 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 your intuition just says, I need to step back a bit. I need some rest. And, you know, sometimes when you step back, it's good because you allow other people to shine, which is a good thing too. Like if you're in a space with a lot of other people, sometimes you Mm -hmm. step back, you give somebody else an opportunity to shine. And then when you come back, it's like, you know, giving other people opportunities to be in, in the front as well. I think that's really important, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah
1: i agree i agree um I like what you said about allowing yourself to be who you are um i was having a conversation over the weekend about holding itself hostage to the vision that you have of who you think you should be mm. and not really seeing who you actually are
0: mm.
1: and sometimes seeing who you actually are can open up the kind open up um, something even bigger for yourself that you never thought because you were holding yourself to this other vision that someone put on you
0: absolutely and sometimes if you've been living in that vision for so long you may not even recognize, you know not know who you are you may not recognize that you that you're not being your true self because you've been living a life for so long that happens a lot as well that's a big thing that happens a lot yeah so what uh, final words would you like to share with our listeners about this topic and your experience? Um, our listeners are all, of course, early stage female entrepreneurs in economies. So what would you like to share with them?
1: Um, final words. Yeah. Um, I think it is important for you if you haven't already to get an intimate knowledge of your body. Mm. Um and understand what that is like and continue to um, experiment and see what works for you and always kind of have an ear of what's happening and adjusting. So for me, like, I know what foods make me feel sick. I mean, a doctor might have told me, but I'm so in tune with my body that I understand it. Um, And I think in terms of being an overachiever, Mm. <laughs> it would do you great because it was extremely freeing for me. Mm. But still something I struggle with of releasing perfectionism and not allowing yourself to define your success through the lens of what you think you should be doing, but what you actually want to do and what's in line with the life that you want to design for yourself.
0: Yeah. I did a podcast on that with um with Adana, who is based in Trinidad, mm-hmm. and it was about all about releasing perfectionism and how that holds us back. And I think, again, that's a big problem for us modern women. <laughs> I say modern women because I mean like, you know, Generation Y, Millennials, et cetera, et cetera. I think we're all kind of a bit, um, so we're just going, 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 and we don't always take the time to just be. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And And
1: infuse Mm. Infuse joy into your life That's something I've been working on Finding little pockets of joy That I can infuse in my life So I've started going Taking myself out to breakfast on weekends Because I really like it And Mm. it makes me feel nice Um, And I've I've been going to the park a lot more lately Because I like being
0: outdoors Being in nature is so replenishing I find it very replenishing Yeah Yeah Cool. I like my, I think my little joy is flowers and plants and just being in the bushes, sometimes just going yes. up in the bushes, literally. that's lovely. <laughs> and, you know, growing up in the Caribbean, just going to the beach and just sitting there or sitting in the rocks or whatever, the rainforest, whatever it is, that feels, to me, that, that's joyous. It just feels nice. Yeah. To- it feels renewed, yeah. it feels renewed for sure. So thank you for those parting words. So Monique, where can we find you? Where, where are your what's your website? Where's your sort of um you know, if you're on social media or an email address if someone wanted to contact you?
1: Um, okay, so you can find me on um, social everywhere as she's Monique, S H E S Monique. That's my handle on everything. Um, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I think it's even on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't have I don't have a website. Um, also, I wanted if anyone may think that they suffer from PMDD, they can also check out this blog called The Vicious Cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, It's of women who share their stories of PMDD and things like that. And there is another, there is a Gia Alamed. I'll have to send you this, Joanne, so you can put it in the show notes. Um, Gia Alamed, they they have a lot of resources on PMDD and stuff like that.
0: Yes, please do, because, um, you know, that's why I love podcasting, because I learn so much. I never knew about this at all, and um, wow, we learn something new every day, so thank you. Thank you so much. You're
1: welcome. I'm so happy to share, because I know, um, you know, I, I take it for granted that I'm the type of person who's always researching and reading and looking into things, mm-hmm. and I always want to know what's going on with my body. Right. Um, but sometimes things might be happening and you're not aware of it and Mm. these resources have been like invaluable to me in terms of figuring it out
0: no that's great that's absolutely great and is there anything that we can give to you is there anything that we can help you with or anything that you are looking
1: for I'm not currently looking for anything. Um, I'm always open to be meeting new people and okay. interacting. Um, but yeah, I'm just here in the world, designing the life that I love.
0: Oh my God, I love that designing the mm-hmm. life that you love. Well, that is great. Well, I want you to um, to just thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, This was quite a powerful story that you shared. And I think there are people out there who didn't even know this about you.
1: Yeah, Uh, I'm I'm happy. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was great sharing, Um, practicing that too.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, seriously, when we share, you know, and when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable in that way, I think we don't realize it, but we, we make ourselves stronger along the way. And we make it easier for other people who, to, to share and open up as well. And we let people realize that, you know, we're all human. We're all human beings experiencing the world. And you may look at someone and think she's got it all together or she's this or she's that. But you really don't know what, what, someone's, what someone is really going through. So yeah, it's 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 incredible, and also by sharing, it helps to heal too, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. It does. I am um, a talker and a writer, so how I process what I'm going through is a lot through talking and writing. I'll, I always feel kind of insecure that my friends might think I talk too much. But <laughs> <laughs> that's how I. That's how I process things.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're we're different people. Like people are different. Some people are internalized. Some people gotta let it out. You know, everyone's different, and I I don't think we should feel bad for being who we are. And the people that love us and accept us unconditionally won't have a problem with it either. So, you know, continue continue being yourself. I think it's um I think it's it's great to be able to talk things out because a lot of people don't talk and and that just leaves to another set of of problems so i appreciate you thank you so much for for speaking to me for speaking up for speaking out for sharing and it's nice to know that there there are people out there who who can who can live with these things and i'm really excited to see what you're going to do next
1: Okay, yes, I'm really excited too. I've already started the planning and trying not to overwhelm myself with trying to do too much. In yeah, my yeah,
0: I know, and, and that's the thing. It's constantly keeping yourself in check, like, okay, I'm very enthusiastic and I know I want to do this, but I've got to do it in, in stages because, you you know, you can get really excited about what you want to do, but you got to tell yourself, I've got to spend time, you know, alone or with friends or it, try to maintain that harmony, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. So Monique, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have you on board. And uh, for the rare ones listening in, I hope Monique's story has inspired you in some way. I hope that as you have your idea and you're building your business, that if you're going through anything like this, you realize that you're not alone. And please do reach out. As Monique said, she's got a lot of resources. And I will be sharing them on the website as well. So until next time, bye for now.